Welcome to another Tyrus Cast. I'm Kevin Crewell. And I'm Jim McGregor. And today we're going to cover a very controversial topic that we think would be an interesting topic to explore, and that is, should broadband be considered a basic necessity to live in the United States, and, and, and should it be supplied by the government? You know, it's now during this COVID-19 pandemic, we're all working from home or going to school from home. Broadband is, is really a, an important necessity or a utility, and it should be provided by the government or at least by government regulations more. How, how do you view this, Jim? Yeah, you know, obviously things are definitely changing in the intermediate term because of the virus, and we don't know what the long-term implications are. I mean, we're seeing things throughout the economy change. We're seeing restaurants become uh, supermarkets. We're seeing ranchers and meat suppliers sell directly to consumers. We're seeing, you know, government cover some of the COVID tests, but, you know, not covering the treatment of COVID, and some have argued, uh, obviously Bernie Sanders uh, as well, that health services should be a basic necessity. But, you know, for everything we do today, you know, broadband has become critical, not just for regular communication, but, you know, for school, for business, and everything else. And you're, you may be negatively impacting, especially in these lockdown situations, people that do not have broadband. So it's definitely a social issue. So it brings up the question of, and since we're already doing this massive build-out of 5G, should the government be involved in this? And should maybe this be a basic necessity for every citizen? You know, as I start thinking about it, I almost think it is. You know, it's, Kevin brought this up earlier. It's kind of like the highway initiative that we had in the 50s to build out an infrastructure for the U.S., Very much like we had that physical infrastructure, now we have to start thinking about a digital infrastructure that's going to not only connect our citizens, but that is going to keep the U.S. competitive, the U.S. and any other country competitive in the world environment. Yeah, another analogy is that in the 1930s, the rural electrification program, where we brought people who are in the far rural Appalachia and other areas that didn't have power, and we brought power to them, and that changed their lives significantly and brought them basically into the 20th century. We're in the 21st century, and ubiquitous communication is part of being in the 21st century, and there are people who still do not have that. They may have some cell phone service, but a lot of people don't have Wi-Fi and uh, the broadband connectivity, and they need it to go to school to get a job. It's it's a part of the social life today. So it is, the question is, should it be a regulated utility like electricity and gas or water? Or should it be like the National Highway Program where the government builds it out to make sure that there's a, a, a highway that connects the people together? It allows people to go in and out of cities, the trucks to deliver goods in a more flexible manner. So the question is, how how should it be treated? Or is is it still a uh, a Wild West where uh, you have all these different companies trying to compete? But the reality is most people only have a few choices in terms of broadband connectivity, either DSL through a local carrier or 
the uh, cable services through cable modems. Jim, you're on satellite, and that's a very limited form of connectivity as well for a lot of people. And then we're uh, starting to see popping up, especially with 5G, the uh, fixed wireless solutions, which give us uh, another competitive option. Maybe it's it's time for the government to kind of in, come in and regulate this, and or or provide the service itself. I don't know. That's it. it it's certainly something that this administration wouldn't want to do and would would fight against. And but uh, they've been unsuccessful in their program to try to get rural broadband out there. And I think it's it's really critical critical for these people to get access to this. If we didn't have broadband today. How much different this uh, coronavirus pandemic would have been? Wow, you got all the way through that, and you didn't make fun of me once. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm I'm the key example Kevin's referring to. I live in a rural community up in the mountains in, in eastern Arizona. My options are really limited. Jim is the outlier <laughs> physically and mentally as well. Yes, I definitely mentally as well. But Frontier Communications, the local wireline carrier here, will not provide me broadband service because they say their networks can't handle it. And quite honestly, if you've been on it, you'd probably get better dial-up service than you would through them. Then there is the local cellular connections, but at best I'm getting a couple bars on 3G, so you can pretty much forget using that for broadband. And 5G is still kind of a pipe dream. Uh, much less 4G. The and So yeah, we're basically on satellite. And right now I have two adults and four teenagers all working online for school and for work. And it's really tasking. Viasat has not been very accommodating. They're still maintaining their data caps, uh, at least in my area where in other areas they've released it. So it's a real challenge. And that begs the question, you know, especially if you're going to encourage people. And what we've seen through some of these latest stats is that sometimes people, and especially through this situation, have actually been more productive working from home or working remotely. Well, if that's going to increase our productivity as a, as a country, shouldn't we start considering that being a critical part of our infrastructure? And I would argue we should. Yeah, I mean, I've been very lucky. I, I have a Comcast cable modem here, and we have myself, my wife, and my stepson all w- working, playing from home. And, you know, knock on wood, the service has been solid and uh, reliable. And we've been able to all stream at the same time and have conference calls and uh, video calls. And so far, uh, it, it's, it's held up, which also also uh, reminds me that uh, it lays uh, waste to the argument that Comcast needed to put data caps on people because they were afraid of people congesting their network. The network is handling it just fine without putting a data cap on my monthly uh, service. Question is, how would we go about doing that? Would the government have to buy out these companies? Would they have to lay competing fiber? Or is it just, does the government just have to come in and step in in places where there's a gap and and be the gap fillers. You know, at one point in time, we thought Google was going to fill in a lot of gap with with their fiber, and then they stopped rolling that out. Uh, Paul Teich, our former associate, was lucky he got into the Google fiber, and he's got his gigabit service, but Google stopped doing it because they realized they was losing too much money on it. It was seemingly expensive to, to roll fresh fiber to the curb. 
Well, and that's what's frustrating is because there are actually government subsidies for these companies to provide broadband service to rural markets. But it's not just this service, what which isn't being rolled out to a lot of these markets or isn't being supplied by these companies they're supposed to. Frontier, I'm going to note you, even though you're in bankruptcy. But it's also the fact of the cost. And that's a key factor, too. I mean, satellite, obviously, is much more expensive than doing cable or doing DSL. So, you know, there's also the cost factor that has to be factored in here if it's if it's one of these services. And I would think that you would have to have government regulations in place, not only just to provide that service, but government regulations on what that they can charge for that service. Yeah, you know, the satellite issue is kind of tough because satellites are expensive to launch and maintain. Uh, but at the same time, we have SpaceX launching a bunch of satellites for communication purposes, I think mostly to support data for the for their cars, or should say the Tesla cars. But uh, there's you know opportunity for new satellite companies coming up because there's the cost of per pound of, of, of putting a satellite in orbit has come down quite a bit. And also the miniaturization of the electronics and RF uh, for the satellites uh, has also made the satellites lighter and smaller, so they're more cost-effective. So maybe there's a there's more future to satellite services than necessarily terrestrial, because terrestrial is expensive. It's hauling wire, wires and fibers, and it's a, still a very manual process. So the uh, the idea of maybe a more extensive satellite network might be the might be a better solution. I don't know. I don't know. I you you pointed out to five G earlier, and especially that uh, uh, fixed wireless communications. I still think that's an option. You know, what if you gave people the opportunity or communities the opportunity to raise their own tower and use that for a mini base station, and or a, you know a side link? I know that that would work for me. I I still think that five G is part of that critical element, not just satellites. I think that. Uh, you know, if it's going to keep the U.S. competitive and it's going to bring broadband to everyone, it should be a major focus area for whatever administration is in office. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. It's definitely should be one of the key technology policy issues going forward. Uh, and like I said, n- nothing really drove that home more succinctly than this uh, uh, pandemic and, uh, the, and, and the quarantine that people have had and had to work from home. The options to have broadband is so critical for productivity, for education, for entertainment, that uh, it, it, it needs to be uh, made robust and, uh, and accessible to everybody. So that's, that's I believe, that You know, the, the 5G fixed wireless stuff is still pretty nascent. Uh, we've had fixed wireless before. But, you know, it, it certainly could be an option for small communities or, gov- or local governments to put together their own program. But often the big cable companies and, and, and uh, phone companies basically compete with those and, and they don't like that competition. So anytime a local government has tried to provide those types of services, politics have come to play. Cable and phone companies have come in and sometimes even made it illegal for local governments to provide their own services. So I think something has to be done to stop that from happening. It's it's the politics of it that gets really difficult. Well, this is not the cough 
off the blah. This is an off the cuff discussion between us and something that we're obviously debating between ourselves. But if you have any input or have any comments on this, please ping us. We'd love to hear from you on this topic because it's definitely something just like healthcare that should be a topic that should be part of the discussion and even part of the political debates as we start looking at what administration is going to be in office after November. So, or I should say after the first of the year. But yeah, if you have any comments, please let us know. And I guess... So this brings the wrap to another Tyrius cast. This is a little more informal one where we're sort of discussing a topic that we felt kind of interested in and uh, passionate about. So please remember that Tyrius Research is a market research and advisory firm. We do provide custom research and advice for our entire high-tech ecosystem from sensors to the cloud. This includes custom market sizing, product and company, competitive analysis, M&A, evaluation, product and corporate strategic planning, and also marketing strategies. Yeah, if you'd like more on Tyrius Research and inquire about our services, please contact us directly at kevin at tyriusresearch.com or jim at tyriusresearch.com. That's T-I-R-I-A-S research.com. You can also visit our website, our new and improved website, www.tyriusresearch.com, which has links to our podcast, has links to our latest social networking posts and and latest white papers and please keep up with us on the social media our kind of joint one is at Tyrius Research which kind of combines everything we talk about in the industry and then Kevin has at Crewell that's K-R-E-W-E-L-L and I have at Tech Strategist that's T-E-K Strategist and we also have articles on Forbes, EE Times and ECT News there, as I indicated, we also have white papers on our website, and we have a monthly newsletter. If you'd like information about our newsletter, you can visit our website, and there's a link there to where you can sign up for the newsletter. It has anything from detailed discussions on topics to just coverage of our recent articles and research. Also, look for us and information about us and podcasts from us on EE Times, where we uh, are a regular contributor to both the podcast and articles. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you have any feedback on this Tyrius cast, uh, other than Jim and I stumbling over our, uh, our over each other here, and recommendations for future Tyrius casts, please contact us directly. Uh, again, I'm Kevin at TyriusResearch.com, and then Jim is Jim at TyriusResearch.com. Thank you for joining us, and have a great day. <laughs> <laughs>